0: Hello, and welcome to Shellfish, the podcast adapted to the modern limited attention span. I'm Charlotte, your host, a human with a voice that sounds extremely childish in recordings. If you ever want to reach out to give feedback or suggestions, send an email to shellfishpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you're new here, I encourage you to check out our previous episodes on philosophy and conspiracies, they are only tied together by theme, and you can always revisit anything in any order. And now, enjoy the show. Well guys, today is part 3 of our series on free will. Is it the last episode of this series, for now? Yes, until new information comes up, I guess. But don't worry, we have a brand new exciting series coming very soon in which we shall explore many different aspects of life. But that is another time. Right now, let's talk science. More specifically, neuroscience. Using the same example for clarity and consistency, of course, let's answer the question. Am I choosing a fudge-covered ice cream cone, or is my brain doing it for me? It seems that science is coming out with more and more research supporting the idea that we do not have free will, and we do not make our own decisions. In philosophy, this is called hard determinism, and if you want to know more about that, you can listen to the first episode of the Free Will series. My main sources for this episode are BGR, Medical Press, The Atlantic, and Scientific American. What we think of as free will may not be as cut and clear as we believe, and our brain runs the show in the background as subconscious. So, in the 1980s, this guy named Benjamin LeBay decided to do an experiment. It seemed to show that the brain activity recorded registers a certain move before a conscious decision to make that move is taken he found that there was a consistent change in EEG activity an average half second before the decision was made. So, let me explain that. It means that there could be a delay between when a decision is made in your brain and when we become conscious of our decision. And then, we as people, take it, rationalize it, and then attribute our own conscious train of thought to it. However, this was a flawed experiment. Participants had to report themselves when they felt the intention to move. This means that there could be a certain delay, the accuracy becomes debatable. If you think about it, it's very difficult to pinpoint the exact moment when you realize that you are conscious of something, whether it be an idea or a decision that you make. Then there's the whole controversy about the readiness potential. Let me define that first, though. Also named as Potential, that's in German, and pardon my butchering of the language. It is simply a measure in the of the activity in the SMA, which is the supplementary motor area of the brain, just a part of the brain that deals with this. So. Another experiment similar to Labetz shows that sometimes that readiness potential occurred before images to choose from were even shown to the participants, so the relation between that and decision making is a little iffy. The second is a suggestion made that the SMA can be associated more with imagining movements than actually performing those movements. So this is a very unclear area. But, fast forward to modern times, there is a new experiment conducted by Joel Parsons from the UNSW School of Psychology. This was recently published in Scientific Reports, and it kind of revisits Libet's ideas. So, volunteers are shown images of red and green stripes going in different orientations and patterns, and they have to simply pick between the two. Their brain activity is recorded via a- an fMRI machine. The results are pretty astounding. Pearson said that the executive areas of the brain choose the trace which is stronger. This means that if any pre-existing activity or thoughts made match a certain choice presented to you, the brain is more likely to pick that one. Looking at the brain activity, the scientists were actually able to predict the choices before the participants even were asked to make a choice. And the prediction could be up to 11 seconds before the person began to consider the options. If you don't think 11 seconds is much, imagine I know what you will do. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 9, 10, 11, and now you do it. Pretty crazy, right? They were also able to see how strongly the volunteers would rate each visualization. So what this means is that this is all a bit like hallucinations. Involuntary visual thoughts happening in our brain may impact our decision making, which is not a guaranteed thing, but It exists in some form, and its potential exists too. What is important to know, though, is that this absence of free will is part of the materialist paradigm, where self is an illusion, and thought and consciousness can completely be reduced to mental activity. McGilchrist, a psychiatrist and philosopher, says that volition... Is not really so clear cut and rational, but rather something fuzzy and ambiguous, partly intuitive. But at the same time, this does not mean that you did not make a decision. So, These were two experiments and some evaluation of them about free will and neuroscience. I really hope they weren't too confusing, but let's look at the takeaway. The takeaway is that we really don't know anything. How you interpret even scientific results goes back to your own philosophy. Check out part one for that. But imagine if the government had the ability to predict our actions, Would that help gain more control over our own personalities and individual choices? For more conspiracies, visit part two of the series, of course. In the end, neuroscience keeps finding so many things, but the brain is so complex and unknown that really the more we find, the more questions we have. Will we ever have all the questions, though? I don't know. This was Charlotte. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please email shellfishpodcast at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Bye!